Hey, are you getting enough? I bet you'd love more, right? Well, AdamandEve.com wants to give you more with 10 free gifts. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, a specially selected toy for him. And third, a little something for everyone. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. So what do you have to do to get your 10 free gifts? Oh, wouldn't you like to know? Just go to adamandeve.com and select one item, any one item. They've got sexy lingerie, sexy butterflies, and they even have sexy batteries, you guys. So just enter offer code SEXNERD at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts. Go check out adamandeve.com today. Select that one item. Get those 10 free gifts, including free shipping when you enter offer code SEXNERD. That's S-E-X-N-E-R-D at adamandeve.com. Hey, Naughty Monkey. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, This week, we are talking to KJ Middlebrooks, a great friend of mine and a startling human being because it feels like he shouldn't even exist. He's so awesome in how he handles his relationships and how he... uh, The conversation is a lot about discipline and the decisions we make and how we go about our lives and designing our lives and interacting with the people in our lives. And that is something that I struggle with. It's, it's challenging sometimes. And KJ is a constant reminder in my life of what integrity and mm, maturity look like. So I wanted to sit down with him and it was a blast. And we, we talked about a lot of topics. I, I quite enjoyed his thoughts on patience and on unknowing ourselves and on long-term relationships. That's um, a very interesting topic that we have talked about before and he brings more to the table. Oh, you. Okay. So I have to give a shout out to all the people who wrote me loving emails this past week since last episode's announcement about some stuff that was on my mind. Um, And I appreciate that. I, I really feel loved when you do that. And so thank you for that. Um, what an amazing community we have. I appreciate you so much. Also, thanks for everyone who said, oh, who said, who clicked like on Facebook um, since we just hit 10,000 likes on there. So that's a neat round number that makes me smile inside uh, the neat. Um, yeah, life is good still got a dog still doing that that happened did i tell you that i i have a dog now and he cannot be left alone yet so i have been basically in a hostage situation with my new dogs he's yeah and uh, no dog training tips please because i have read all of them and have a dog trainer it's gonna be fine uh that's me getting into this let's see i've got oh dates let me tell you a few things that are coming up uh los angeles i will be teaching at the sexual health expo on january 18th it will be a one hour workshop on fellatio fun that's going to be cool sexualhealthexpo.com san francisco i'm looking forward to at the end of this month finally getting to record a few live podcasts with you it's all through Sketchfest. so january 29th i'm recording one on multiple orgasms and that will be live at the Sketchfest's Comedy Nightlife event. It's all about love, sex, and science. Woo! I'll have Peaches Christ and some local sex educators to help me out on that. And then January 30th, I will be recording with comedian Eliza Skinner and friends. Uh, and we'll be talking about friends with benefits and all of the gritty details that go into that. Huh. Let's see. I think I'm going to learn a few things about how to do that better. 
hopefully. <laughs> Check out all the details at sfsketchfest.com. And then I will be back in L.A. for a workshop uh, called Oral Sex for Everybody on February 9th at the L.A. Academy of Sex.com. Ah, thank you so much for listening and enjoy this episode. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra podcast. Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. I never, I've never drank from the, the St. Monica's Catholic Church. It was a cup of wine that everyone Ooh. drank from. Like, and all they out do of the is, same cup? Out of the same cup. They mm. still do it. Mm. And they just wipe the rim after every sip. Like, would they have a special handkerchief for the wiping? But that seems like, that's kind of like what they say about the sponge in the kitchen when you're washing dishes, that that sponge gets germs. So that cloth is still getting dirty, right? Are they right. cleaning the cloth? No. And then, in, <laughs> since I just went to Midnight Mass for Christmas, and after everyone drinks from the wine, after you get your communion, then the priest drinks the rest of the wine and wipes the cup and does this whole wiping thing and like lays it across the top of the cup and hands it to an altar boy. And it's this whole, it, it's, it's not, they're still singing and people are still getting their communion from other people. So it, you, it, it's not a big deal, but okay. I do watch him. Mm-hmm. And I just go like, you just totally yeah. got like the last of a yeah. whole bunch of people's Backwash. germs. Yeah. Backwash. <laughs> and I know it's alcohol, so maybe it helps kill germs. I really, do, I need to look into that. I don't well, know. It would be more like looking into how many of the the pastors or priests, you know, what their lifespan is. <laughs> Are they dying? Are they like how many of them have a long tenure? Right. Or if it's like, wow, our pastor. Only last a year. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's. We should probably switch gears. It's so fascinating. Oh my god. Ah, uh, religious. Oh, religious. Oh, KJ. It's nice to have you back in recording. Hi. Hi. It's nice to be here. Thanks. All oh, the dogs asleep. Okay, so I need to focus. Yes. I we're at well, my partner's dining room table. There is my new dog in his crate, learning to be crate trained. Sleeping, which is new, so yes. that's exciting. Steven is awesome. So he's a team player. Yes, he is. Not a team fun player. That would be illegal. <laughs> but he's a team player. Uh, KJ, I'm shocked to realize that it's been two and a half years since you and I have podcasted together. Yeah, time flies. Especially in California, because we don't have seasons. Yeah, it's just... It's Eternal just, sunshine. It's just 77 and partly cloudy <laughs> every day. Oh, yeah. What, is it Christmas? Is it Arbor Day? Is it right. summer? What, what is today? I don't care. Let's go to the beach. Yeah. So here we are. It's been two and a half years, and you were on episode number 47. Wow. Oh, no, no. Number 42. Ooh. And I'm at, I think, around 175 at wow. this point. So, episode number 42, Gold Star Polyamory. Um, I don't know, you listening, if you remember this episode, it was um, live at Meltdown Comics at the Nerdist Theater. 
which was terrifying. Yeah. Okay. So I found out after that you and Christy, yeah. who was also on the show, yeah. were holding hands. Is it okay that I? It's fine with me. We'll check in with her later. Oh. <laughs> but you two were holding hands under the table because you were both so nervous. Yes. When you're staring at a crowd full of people for the first time and you're talking about your personal life, which obviously I guess you can relate to, it's mm-hmm. very unnerving. Because I, as I said then, and I still feel like now. I don't necessarily look at myself as an expert. I'm not out there necessarily. Well, I'm reading. I'm learning. I know about people, but I'm not a PhD in relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm just a guy who loves people and uh, is about authentically and honestly loving people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I do. And so for the first time to be saying that in front of a group of people and then people asking me questions about it, yeah, it's great to have a little hand-holding to say, it's going to be okay. God, I at that point in podcasting, I I would have these very private panic attacks before mm-hmm. live shows because there was so much going on. It was it was new. It was new in a way I, I didn't realize how much I was taking on by bringing so much newness to my life all at once with with that and so after i found out that you two were holding hands on the table it's like i wish somebody had held my hand <laughs> like every time right on yeah yeah uh, but i was listening to the episode today and uh, i could hear both of your voices trembling and i couldn't i didn't hear it. i think it was so in my head mm. i couldn't hear that your voice was trembling yeah and so it was like, cute oh yeah that's yeah it's sexy awkwardness is sexy Oh, well, you do, you were so vulnerable. Yes. And you actually brought a lot of uh, big ideas to the podcast. You introduced the idea of adult superpowers. Yes. Um, and, and really um, repeated the importance of being able to have difficult conversations yes. and listen instead of thinking about what you're going to say, that kind of thing. Yes. How's that working for you? Really good. Uh, I am currently polysaturated if that is a word <laughs> where in my in my realm of how i'm creating poly i feel like i am at my maximum bandwidth mm-hmm. uh for a long time i had a primary partner but any additional lovers i had were kind of amoeba like sometimes they were lovers mm-hmm. sometimes they were friends and it was a very transitory situation mm-hmm. and i had been longing to have regular consistent lovers in my life and not you know will it won't it situations and mm-hmm. so right now i have a primary partner and i have two lovers and that is plenty yeah that is that's a lot of that's a lot of conversations that's a lot of processing that's a lot of listening <laughs> <laughs> and it's worth it it is <laughs> it's that's totally fantastic. Worth it. yes like i talk to people a lot about poly and, and I recently talked to a couple who had written a book on Polly, and, and I feel like I've talked about this topic mm-hmm. a lot. And what actually occurred to me that'd be fun to talk to you about okay. is is sure what's going on with you now, and how how are you the same person or different than who you were two and a half years ago? Because I and people who have listened to last week's episode, which is the New Year's episode. Um, I went on for a long time, and I don't know even know if I told you this, but I, I've, I just realized that I wasn't very happy last year, and one of the reasons is because I'm not, I haven't given myself permission to be vulnerable and put myself more into my work as no. a professional sex nerd instead of a sex ed person where I, 
I just kind of I have this like iron wall mm. up. Um, so I'm I'm kind of digging into that a little bit. Right on. But the fact that I have grown and changed a lot mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, and I don't know if that reflects in how I show up to this podcast. Right on. So just, I mean, I see you often. I mean, we have plenty of friends in common. We run into each other. Yeah. Um, and I, I adore you. But I don't know if I've actually asked you much about who you are now and what you've learned about relationships and who you are in them. Um, well, I've learned that I uh, read Mahalko has a very simple philosophy of dating your species, mm-hmm. which is something I had a concept of, mm-hmm. but I feel like in the past two years, I've experienced the reality of what it is to know yourself mm-hmm. first And then once you know yourself, to be really diligent and authentic in choosing to connect with people, at least romantically, that are the same species. Um, Because I've definitely experienced people that are not the same species. We definitely have an affinity for each other. But ultimately, who we are hurts the other person. And there are definitely some relationship styles that it's totally cool of compromising aspects of who you are for the sake and rewards of the relationship. But at the end of the day, in terms of what I'm creating and how I'm creating it, it's very much about being authentic about that. And if there's more risk and pain than reward, it's best to just be friends. And also I'm now at a point that I am not choosing to connect with anyone that hasn't already made the decision themselves that they are polyamorous, that navigating people that are curious or that are monogamous and trying something or that are in between relationships is ultimately complicated. I'm totally down to be a sounding board for my friends and people that are doing that, but Mm -hmm. as in who I'm actually getting naked with, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm choosing people that are... a hell yes, as opposed to people that are a maybe or let's try this out. Which is in any in business, in friendships, in so many ways, being able to see when someone's a hell yes yeah. feels like a good. It's good to know, like, oh, you're a meh. Let's just not even exactly. Which I've always been very big. This is my style. This is what works for me. Mm-hmm. And there are any number of other styles. I, my parents are incredibly monogamous and have been married 50 plus years. And that experience of seeing them is phenomenal, fantastic, and wonderful. It is Mm -hmm. a codependent relationship. There is nothing wrong with codependent relationships if you are, in my opinion, present to the fact that it is codependent and you're choosing it and not, you know, unknowingly being in a situation. Dating your species. Yeah. Um, I know about broad categories of poly versus monogamous. Oh, I want a, you know, a geometric configuration of a triangle that's closed. And I understand those things about how people want to create their relationships. But I feel like you've noticed nuance. Like you've oh, really, because totally. yeah. you mentioned getting to know yourself. And that, that shit's Pinterested and tweeted all the time, like, know thyself. And, right. But it seems like maybe you you got to another level of really getting what that means in action. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people never take time to just be single mm-hmm. and actively choose to not be in a relationship. And I kind of had a mix of 
actively choosing to be single and then going through a period of seeking people that um, I, I don't know if I said this on the first show where mm-hmm. I was a single poly man or mm-hmm. declaring myself to be that. And I would meet a woman and explain I'm single and poly and looking to get to know you. The woman would totally say, oh, I'm totally. Yes. Yes. We can see other people. That's mm-hmm. totally fine. And then the moment I would connect with someone else, they would not be OK with it. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I would often be faced with um, a request or ultimatum of sorts of for you to show me how much you care about me, I mm-hmm. want you to not see anybody else. It sounds like modern dating. That you sort of slowly, accidentally, like, oops, now we're going to be in a relationship. The, the suggestion seems to be that once you care more about me, you'll act differently as opposed to, no, you're clear on what this was. You mm-hmm. actually meant what you said the first time. And you're still interested in gaining love and appreciation from me. And so what kept happening was me having that terrifying moment of, holy crap, am I going to still choose to be living this life and lose this awesome person that I just met? Or should I change who I am? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I kept coming back to long-term, I'm not going to be happy, so she's not going to be happy, so let me end this now. Mm -hmm. So I kept ending, or sometimes I would get dumped, to be quite honest. Uh Um. So that process kind of continued for almost three years. So it was actually through that process of having people not choose me because mm-hmm. of who I felt happiest being mm-hmm. that started my mindset of being true to yourself and discovering who you were. Because that was also a time that I was kind of in a, the Burning Man group and mm-hmm. crew. So I had a lot of opportunities to go to a lot of different play parties or sex parties or orgies and there are definite differences between orgies and sex parties and, <laughs> and burlesque shows. Um, and Burlesque shows is a huge jump from orgy or sex party. <laughs> but, but again, sometimes I'm trying to speak to the broader audience uh-huh. here that sometimes that's the sexy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Ooh, we're going to a burlesque show mm-hmm. versus a strip club. So I'm, I'm just saying anything in that realm of sexuality, I gave myself permission to go and experience and try things and, and literally learn. Mm-hmm. I would be yes to things and then sometimes discover, oh, I'm actually a no. Or sometimes I would try something, you know, try things new. I gave myself permission to make mistakes and be wrong, but mm-hmm. I did it as a single person as opposed to tr- trying to figure this out inside mm-hmm. of a relationship. And you've been in a relationship now for what, four or five years? Oh, we're coming up on five years. Five years. Five years in June. What's that like, long-term? I mean, this isn't your first long-term relationship. No. Like this, well, it's about to be, at five years, it'll be my longest relationship in my life. Is that true? Hmm. No. Wow. Technically... Once we get past five years, uh, when I first moved to L.A., I was in a relationship that lasted five years. But the last two years of that, quite honestly, really shouldn't count. (laughs) It it was rough. It was rough. So you know what? Yeah, this one's been good longer. So this one wins. (laughs) It's amazing how once you break up, you realize how the last bit just really really was a phantom relationship. Yeah, you're just going through the motions. And I think we did that for almost. Well, there was one year of us just not really communicating and each of us doing our own thing. And that was, that was the period of time that, that was actually the beginning of me being poly. Did I tell you that in the first broadcast about my girlfriend that was cheating on me? Uh, I don't 
I skipped around. I wanted to get right okay. to your part. So unless I missed it, I didn't hear it. Okay. Uh, long story short, she was cheating on me and would regularly cheat on me whenever she she would go on tour. And when she would go on tour, that's when she would connect with people. And I found out once, and we had the talk. She said she wouldn't do it again, and then she went on tour again. And basically what ended up happening was this strange game of she would never lie to me, but I had to ask the exact right question for her to tell me the truth. So oh, like a like, labyrinth and <laughs> you wanted to get through the door? Right. So it would be one of those things like, did you have sex with anybody? No. Uh, did you sleep with anyone? No. Did you suck someone's dick? Yes. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> I mean, like, it was like, but it was kind of like that. And I had, um, there were three or four instances of that before she finally came clean to me and acknowledged that she was trying to sabotage the relationship. Ooh. And that I was being too much of a nice guy. And, and she was actually doing um, a self-help um, seminar thing at that time that was really big and transforming her and who, who she is. And, uh, and, and the irony is, at the end of the day, she got authentic with who she wanted to be. And in that moment, her being honest with me about what she wanted and what she needed frustrated the hell out of me and also really at the same time made me appreciate who she is or or who she was. So that moment was really big for me in Mm -hmm. seeing what honesty could do and that oftentimes in relationships we, we make it that lying to someone is showing that we care about them. You know, because you're protecting them. Yeah. Like right. uh, this whole world of American Idol people like going on and, and singing and being bad. Uh-huh. The reason they're bad is because they have people in their life that is telling them they sound good. Oh, man. And you they're setting them oh. up to then go on national TV and sound horrible. And that's what I look at in terms of that mindset of I don't want to hurt your feelings. So I'm not going to say this. It's so much better to get that from someone that loves you rather than to have it happen in national TV or to be mocked on Facebook or whatever. And that's my opinion, that in so many relationships, it's not about being honest. It's about, oh, I don't want to hurt his feelings. I'm, I'll eat the bad food because she cooked it because she loves me. It's like, no, you should probably tell her if it doesn't taste good. <laughs> she'll maybe change how she cooks, or maybe you can cook together. Like, there right, that, that's the example in you know, so many movies and TV shows. Yeah, yeah. Eating the meatloaf, that's terrible. Yeah, and that's where... Adult superpowers come in when you can see the bigger picture mm-hmm. and take that small step of being authentic and, and using your tact and love to say something that's true to someone that loves you rather than giving the lies so that, as Louis C.K. says, you know, lies make everything okay. <laughs> <laughs> lies fix everything. It's not, it's funny, but it ultimately is not a good thing. Aw, it's too bad. Yeah. Um, and I think we we went down that road in terms of relationships of that's where my first concept of poly started because I was kind of in a poly relationship mm-hmm. in a weird way because she was both cheating on me and I chose that time to also step out because my girlfriend was cheating on me. And so it became a little bit of a weird thing for about a year of her doing something while she was on tour and me doing something different. And then that final year that we were together, it, you know, we were just going through the motions until, mm-hmm. you know the final shoe fell. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was five years, but last two do not count. Oh man. Man. (laughs) Uh, So here we are. Five year relationship. 
poly relationship and something major just happened. A major yes. change just happened in your relationship. Yes. Yeah, she, uh, she literally got inspired to move to the other side of the country. It literally happened like me getting a phone call one morning and her saying, hey, let's move to New York. And me being like, uh, let's talk about this later. It's six in the morning. <laughs> so when we talked later, uh, she had been inspired to, you know, take a journey to the other side of the country and mm-hmm. uh, wanted to create new opportunities for her career, which mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly support and wanted her to make happen. So, um, so yeah, so she's off and creating a whole new career for herself. And, uh, you know, it's a East coast, West coast, long distance thing. So is this a, now long distance relationships are surprisingly common. Yes. And then managing, having, and being polysaturated with other partners. Yes. The fascinating thing for me is going, okay, when I think, I realize, I didn't realize this before um, you told me about this, that I think of people who are in primary or life partnership types, like have a central relationship in their their life, that you live close to each other, you spend more time with each other than with anybody else. There's, There's assumptions that I had. Okay. So having someone across the country, managing that, I mean, I don't know. Is that too personal? No. Um, we are still figuring out what works best. Mm-hmm. I had been in a long distance relationship before. My first real poly relationship was, uh, ironically, a New York, L.A. situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would actually travel to New York probably once every other month while I was dating her to the point that mm-hmm. people there thought I was living in New York oh, wow. <laughs> and later were like, you didn't live in New York. I would see you at every party. <laughs> um, so I had that experience, although the shoes were on the other foot on, in that situation, I was coming from the realm of monogamy mm-hmm. dealing with someone that had a boyfriend and two girlfriends at, in the city of New York. Whereas I was kind of relating to her as a, you know, aren't shouldn't I be enough for you? Like coming from that realm. Uh, and she was, um, she kind of was a fantastic example of just being true to who you say you are when you know who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause from day one, she was always the same person. And that was what always came out in mm-hmm. any argument or disagreement or, uh, me pulling at her that, hey, shouldn't you be doing this to show me this? Uh, she was always honest and calm and lovely in, in letting me know how she loved me and how she had always said she would love me and that this is how she loves, this is the level that she's giving me love, and this is what she's she's going to give. And if I want anything else, then I'm looking for something that isn't who she is. And she was always marvelous in doing that and frustrating to me at the time. And the irony is that is exactly kind of the approach and mindset that I've taken on uh, once I really discovered the beauty and and truth in knowing Mm -hmm. yourself. So that's actually where it came from was from my first relationship with her because I I was a hot mess. (laughs) I'm not going to lie in terms of how I related um, 
when I was making my transition from the world of, of monogamous uh, values to the concept of loving more than one person at the same time. But to answer your question, hmm. um, we're still figuring out the long distance because I'm clear on how I relate long distance. She's still figuring out how she does. So it is, we have about an hour long conversation every day. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's when she gets off work and then right now I'm kind of in between jobs. So that works for us with the mm-hmm. time change, which is about three o'clock galley mm-hmm. time. But when I do have a job, sometimes it has to be later. But it mm-hmm. definitely is, that is a grounding force in our relationship, that time it's of an hour on the phone. quality time together. Yeah, uh, pretty much every day um, we have that time together. And we are still creating dates that we have with each other where we Skype date as well as uh, times to watch TV shows together. And we're trying to come up with uh, scavenger hunt games in terms Aww. of her finding stuff for me to find or look for here in L.A. and me finding stuff for her to find and look for in New York. So we're trying to be creative in those things. And um, in terms of how that works, we are definitely in a new phase of giving each other space to connect and create relationships with other people. Mm-hmm from the standpoint that we are each other's primary and that we Mm -hmm. check in with each other about what we're creating, Mm -hmm. how it's being created. And there is a degree of a veto power, you Mm -hmm. know, I hate to put it in that way, but if there is someone that she is feeling challenged, threatened, scared, or or any behavior, I hate to say Mm -hmm. a person, if there's any behavior that I'm giving her that is making her feel challenged or threatened, Mm -hmm. I will stop it for the period of time that we are discussing for her to come to a clarity of, you know, that I do still love her, do still choose her, do still want her. You're such an adult. Like, you're so good at this stuff. Like, this is the way, like, do you hear how mature you are in your calm? calm. (laughs) Like, and just, uh, sorry, I'm just, like, kind of oozing. Just hearing you talk, it's eloquent and, and measured and just, I don't know, you're just really... Um, disciplined. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, how? There, you kind of have to have some degree of that if you want consistency in multiple relationships. If you don't have some degree of discipline, and, and the discipline comes from hopefully knowing who you are, so then you're going into, you're, you're constantly reinforcing grooves of behavior that are the person you love to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when you talked about getting to know yourself, yeah. this was still a pretty long time ago. Yeah, that was like seven, eight right, years like, ago. So it was a while ago that you went through the learning who you are phase. Mm-hmm. Um, although that doesn't really ever stop, no, I think. I'm still, but, I'm still discovering, and that's actually what this period has kind of become, uh, is now I have built trust and capital for me to now be experimenting and trying some new mm-hmm. things again, which is kind of what has shown up in, in her being, uh, you know, on the East coast, there's now, uh, more time. I am now in a period of exploring. I've kind of thankfully built up some capital with my primary partner that is allowing me, uh, there's, there's more space and time, um, to connect with other people, However, I'm still finding, outside of my primary partner, I'm not looking to... Um, okay. 
this brings another concept. There's a concept called uh, new relationship energy. Oh, NRE. yeah. We've, we've definitely talked about this on yeah. the show. Yeah. I personally don't choose NRE. I do still experience it. Definitely when I meet somebody, oh, my God, they're amazing. But I'm very much from the rational world of what I realize I'm doing is I don't know this person yet. And I'm kind of filling in the blanks of who I think they are mm-hmm. to excite me to amazingness. So what I often pivot to is trying to get to know that person better rather than assuming I know who they are. I see. And I also choose not to try to spend every single day with them. I just say, hey, let's have one day here and one day here mm-hmm. as opposed to like I need more of you. I need more of you. Right. I just imagine like, hey, let's let me see if I can try and get us trapped in an elevator to really see who you are. <laughs> like, right. like how, do you, how do you get to know someone uh, where it's not like over dinner and real romantic, like traveling together, you really see someone's true colors. You know, those things, it just makes me laugh. Anyway, I want to ask you a question, which is one of, okay, so we talked about jealousy at, uh, on Gold Star Polyamory. Okay. And you mentioned that one of your triggers was when your partner dates somebody who... Who's a lot like me. Yes. Yeah. And I'm curious. That's still a trigger, yeah. Yeah, or have your triggers changed? Have you gotten more jealous? Have, is, and and rules, have, have you changed rules? No. no. Well, my triggers, my triggers are still the same. They haven't changed. Um, my primary partner's triggers have changed, but uh, it's not... First of all, I, I try... In my realm of poly... I don't choose to do comparisons okay? because what comparisons always do is there's going to be a winner or loser in any sort of comparison situation. So I always try to relate to things as who I am connecting with that person, Mm -hmm. our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, The snowflake you create together. Exactly. Is, is a a perfectly unique. Uh, So, I will say my primary partner, I was her first poly or I am her first poly relationship. And I always try to keep that in mind. So she definitely has been evolving Mm -hmm. as she totally should be. Mm -hmm. Um, I do, again, feel like it's a really great thing to take time to get to know who you are first. But sometimes that just doesn't happen. So I'm in a relationship in a situation where she hadn't quite figured out poly because she hadn't done it. So we have been one of the core things of us navigating is her continued evolution of figuring out how she does Pollock. What have you, le- okay. <laughs> what have you learned from the fact, cause you seem so, as I said, so measured and disciplined in how you cre- and methodical in how you create your relationships what have you learned by seeing the people around you just and, and all that? Because, I mean, no matter what the relationship is style, there's so much. Like I've been seeing a lot of breakups recently. Yeah. And Patience is a valuable thing uh, mm-hmm. as an advice. Like you can wait out, wait, you can wait out any storm, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. It's more like time will always give you more information and people oh. will show you who they are if you allow them to. Okay. So if you think someone is something that's great but if you give them some time to show up for you as a friend show up as a lover show up as you know if you think they're a cheat if you give them time they'll possibly show up as a cheat you mm-hmm. know 
But the point is to not necessarily act on assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, How have I shown up? Because I know our <laughs> friendship has changed and evolved over time. Yes. And I know that you probably observed uh, less admirable traits of mine right. over time. No, you, you, you are always curious about life and often... Uh, you you, throw, your, you throw yourself in the deep end uh-huh. uh, constantly mm-hmm. and, and are spectacular at still articulating what's going on with you as you are in that deep end. And, and I feel like you continue to seek other deep ends to jump into. <laughs> like, it's not like we can stay in this deep end. Oh, now that's gotten shallow. Let's find a new deep end. <laughs> so I feel like that's what I've watched you do over the time that, that we've been together. Mm-hmm. You continuously are curious about what is this next scary thing? And if it's scary, I want to go stare at it. <laughs> I want to go. I want to go play with it. I want to see what happens if I poke it. Like, that's kind of what I've seen about you. And uh, it's been marvelous recently in terms of you jumping in the new deep end of terms of finding your vulnerability, communicating that, and seeing where your life goes inside of that. Um, Back to the other question about other people. I've seen a lot of folks in my life, especially uh, monogamous people, polyamorous people, there's been a lot of transitions in relationships, but each of them I feel like have been finding their own truths. Mm -hmm. Um, And the complications have always been when there's an expectation of choosing sides when mm-hmm. relationships end. And, and oh, that's as a friend? Uh, yeah, when you're in the circle yeah. of friends of people. And I've had a lot of people that have been very lovely in even in their breakups have communicated clearly, we are not looking for you to pick sides or choose who you should be with as opposed to I still appreciate and love your your friendship in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's always a wonderful place to be. Uh, again, having the honest conversations rather than um, conversations of what are you willing to give up to show me how much I mean to you. Hmm. Um, this inspires me to share something that I, it kind of takes us off on an odd tangent. Tangent away. What? I've been trying to be more realistic about my less admirable traits. Okay. And one thing I've I've really started to notice is how much commitment phobia. Because I never, the classic thing where people reference commitment phobia, like, mm-hmm. I've never had that. But it's come up, I use that term to things like, my partner has many friends. Mm-hmm. And... And I have many friends, and I still see a dividing line where mm-hmm. those friends will always be his friends, and they, they're they his friend, and I'm friends with them through him. Right. And so I can't have a direct relationship or friendship mm-hmm. with a person on the other side of the line mm-hmm. because if we were to ever break up, it would still be his friend, and I wouldn't. Like, yeah. I wouldn't keep anybody from that side. Like, it, I, it's just noticing that there is some kind of mental fence that I have. Okay. And it's just funny hearing you, because really, I like having authentic, deep connections with people, yeah. and I do not allow uh, myself to connect deeply with people across mm, that fence, right. because it feels dangerous to uh, me uh, to create strong friendships in that direction. Are you saying you feel 
because uh, I had a similar conversation with one of my one, one of my lovers recently because she was kind of as I'm trying to get to know her, she was bringing up the point of if I had a best friend, wouldn't you try to get to know my best friend to get mm-hmm. to know me better? And I was I made the distinction of no, I and I'm in a relationship with you. I would only look to get to know your best friend better if there was a genuine click. Like when I first met her, if there was some click of, holy crap, you also love video games. Or you, I wouldn't mm-hmm. go, hey, who do you know? Let me now go find other people to know more about you. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, I trust that you're going to reveal to me what I need to know. So in a weird way, it's a similar thing. That's her friend. But I do still leave the window open that if when I meet her organically, if there's some genuine connection I want to build that on the genuine connection. I guess what I'm saying, I'd build it on a commonality that isn't the person I'm no, in love yeah, with. Yeah. So, so it wouldn't be uh, I'm, I'm getting to know my lover's best friend. Mm-hmm. I'd be getting to know somebody that also loves video games. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So now it's a connection from something that's me and not through that person. And that was the distinction that I was making, that I always try to connect with people based on mm-hmm. who I am. And if I feel a draw because of who I am, then it's, it's not about that other person. Yeah. I'm also realizing that maybe I just also don't know how to make friends. <laughs> there's a certain amount of that. Like, oh, Aww. right. Then there's that thing of like being feeling intimidated and oh, kind of, yeah. like, I feel like I'm eternally 12 where I'm like, yeah. everyone's so much yeah. older and cooler than I am. Yeah. Wherever you go, it's still high school. It's, it's still high school wherever you go. Ugh. It's, the, it's the high school dance. Follows us around. <laughs> it really Jeez. does. It um, really does. Are there any other adult superpowers that you have discovered that have really taken yourself up a notch? Hmm. Um, yes. Uh, well, well, it's kind of funny. It's, again, it's, I guess it's still kind of what I said earlier, that, that just patience, patience really pays off, you know, especially when you're being consistent and, and being authentic. There's no situation, and, and, and I guess to, to speak plainly, uh, as, a, as a man that's in a committed, even poly relationship, I, we have it set up where there are no surprises. So mm-hmm. it's not like I ever come to her and say, oops, last night I had sex with so-and-so. So for me, it's discovering there's, there's no passionate moment that's worth risking my primary relationship mm-hmm. uh, that even though we have permission to have sex with other people, it's still on a sex with other people when we know it's coming, not surprise sex that happened because you got caught up in a moment. And so what I've learned in terms of adult superpowers is that even if you're all turned on or amazed by this mm-hmm. person, there's no passionate moment that's not worth waiting a day for. Wow. If it's only going to happen right now in this moment, if there's, then that's probably not worth the long-term thing mm-hmm. that, that I'm mm-hmm. trying to create. So you're not even talking about patience with other people. You're also talking about patience with yourself Yes. in those intense moments. Yeah, that if you're feeling like it's, it's the... I look at it as the relationships that I... The, uh, what's the analogy of going to the grocery store when you're hungry? Right, right. <laughs> I look at it as my current relationships feed me, so I'm not that hungry that even if I'm at a party, 
even if I've had some drinks, even if it's a poly party and that person is like, holy crap, it's totally okay, let's go to the hot tub or whatever, if I haven't communicated to my primary partner, it's not worth that. Mm -hmm. And if that person, if I can't communicate to that person, wow, I'm really feeling a great connection with you, can we hang out again tomorrow night or a week from now or can I just get your number for us to talk and get to know each other more? If that person isn't open to that and is like, no, this can only happen Mm -hmm. right here, right now, then it's not not worth it. it. What do you have anything to say to someone who is hungry, who maybe isn't getting what they need in their relationships or maybe is single and frustrated in being single? How do you go about navigating um, that hookup that may not be a great idea or maybe maybe a good idea, but not sure? Awareness is a is a is a crucial thing to whatever relationship style you're creating. So I would first say if you know why you're hungry and what you're hungry for, then you can put yourself in situations thoughtfully that will mm-hmm. feed you. But know what you're hungry to, for. Yes. Mm. As opposed to, you know, a lot of people use, you know, getting drunk or whatever as a way to feel relaxed to have sex. Mm-hmm. I personally don't think that's a great way to go (laughs) Um, in any relationship style. Mm -hmm. I think the first style is to come to love and accept yourself. Well, come to love and know yourself. Mm -hmm. And then the next step is to hopefully accept yourself for whatever thing that turns you on, whatever weird little fetish or whatever. If Mm -hmm. you know you love it, it's worth you knowing you love it and make it okay that you love it. And guess what? You can use your internet and find people who like that same thing <laughs> and surround yourself with people that like the same stuff you do. It's, it, I feel like the, the, we kind of train people to not do that, to not yeah. take the time to get to know yourself and then take the steps to hang out with people that like the same thing. And guess what? You'll start finding people that dig what you dig. And then next thing you know, you've got a whole community of people that really like that thing that you do and you don't feel bad about yourself. Oh, like. That I, I, and and okay, bigger picture. Ooh. We live in a society that makes sex dirty and wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what I personally believe that happens by from the first, you know, we're we're little babies in the in the crib, and people are reacting, covering your eyes if somebody's naked in the room or whatever. That baby doesn't know there's something wrong with nakedness mm-hmm. until they see you put their hand, your hand mm-hmm. over their eyes. Mm-hmm. And when we drill that into everybody's mind from, from birth, I feel like we're creating a culture where people now often don't get turned on unless the sex is dirty and wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that leads to so many horrible behaviors, whether it's rape, whether it's you know, uh, abuse. And, and inside of that, it's just really huge for there to start being a platform for people to choose love out of love rather than out of shame or mm-hmm. out of naughtiness or out of pain or, or, or any of the mm-hmm. other stuff. And again, fetishes, awesome. If you're choosing it from a place that you love it, adore it, and appreciate it. Um, I've experienced a lot of people mm-hmm. who are not choosing it from that place. And I'm not a psychologist in terms of trying to fix them. I don't make them ultimately wrong for it, but I do know what energies feel good for me and what energies don't. Okay. And I'm trying to encourage people to take that time to do it themselves and hopefully come to a place with their sexuality that they can be sex positive as opposed to only relating to sex as dirty and wrong and only enjoying it if it's dirty and wrong. All right. 
Right on. I I don't say right on very often, and it feels... <laughs> I do. Yeah, it feels good to say it right now, yeah, right on. Right on, right on. Um, okay, we are just about out of time. I, I'm curious. I This question struck me as one. It, it's almost... it's. You've mentioned several times knowing yourself and that you spend a lot of time knowing yourself. Can you actually tell me who you know yourself to be? (sighs) Boom. I am an artist. I am an adventurer. Uh, I am a people lover. Uh, I am a video game enthusiast. Um, (laughs) I... I try to be a student of life. And what I've learned is that by choosing people that can look you in the eye and tell you that your shit stinks, mm-hmm. uh, and also being a type of friend that can look someone in the eye and tell them that their shit stinks, mm-hmm. you end up having houses that don't have a lot of shit in them. Wow, that was intense. He also looked at me deeply in the eyes as he said that. And I'm like, what are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> the whole point great, is... though. You have a... So, yeah. Any, uh, I think I said this on the first podcast. Someone that will tell you no is someone you can trust. Yes, and that's... And surround yourself with people that are willing to tell you no. And also within yourself, knowing that you can say no. And no is a complete sentence. And if you don't... <laughs> It is. And if you don't feel like you can tell people no, that's time to take a pause to check in with yourself. That's my opinion of just life in general and where I come at life. That's some wise action right there. Right on. Thank you, Sage KJ, for the win. I found a quote that I absolutely loved from what you said. I mean, we're since we're it feels very like nostalgic that we're talking oh, yeah two years way back in <laughs> 2012 well well i'm kind of doing a nice new year's reboot here oh, okay awesome um but you said be open to having the conversations you don't want to have yes. and listening to things you don't want to hear yes and i i believe it's it's solid advice into the future to it, take that. If you want to be poly, and it's really good if you're monogamous. Oh, I just, <laughs> that's just for even awkward business emails I need to send. I mean, that's just. Actually, yeah. 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 No, that is true. That and is true. I don't think there's a single thing I've learned about poly that hasn't enriched my life in all areas. Hmm. There's, it's. It's just that people are forced to dig real deep to change their intimate styles. Yeah. And that's valuable. So I mine it. I've I've definitely... It's it's funny. The thing that you actually haven't gotten to... Ooh. um, I still have not figured out how poly works if someone becomes physically disabled. Ah. Or... Um, if there is a money problem, if I was not physically able to walk, talk and provide sex, mm-hmm. I am not entirely, you know, if we're talking about my fears, if you're talking about mm-hmm. vulnerability, yeah. uh, I don't know why my partners would choose me. 
I see. I'm not married to them. There's nothing to tie any of them to me mm-hmm. other than what I can actively provide them. Uh, and the harsh reality of living is I will not always be able to do what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Uh, as a man, I might not be able to get it up. Or as an old man, mm-hmm. I might be in a wheelchair. Uh, and I think these are the same fears that everybody faces in terms of how you choose to partner or why you choose to partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have not figured out if I have children in the house, how I navigate my mm-hmm. adultness, when and where I can connect with other people and who I explain these other people are to my children. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's kind of funny, you know, the hope is, oh, well, you know, I'll make more money. I'll fix that. We'll have a house out back right. or, <laughs> or keep the kids upstairs. Um, but I don't have solid answers to those questions. Those are, those are the scary places that I'm staring into. Uh, but I still know the life that I'm living, the friends that I'm creating, the lovers that I'm making are aware of those fears. Uh, and, and we're all still choosing each other now and building together. And I'm trusting the, the, the direction that I'm going that there, there will be a great answer. God, thank you for sharing that thought. Um, we definitely haven't covered the kids thing. I mean, this isn't a poly focused. Oh, sorry. I thought well, you talking about me. I'm poly. Hi. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, it's, um, it's one of those things where I, yeah, at some point, I definitely, I, I actually met a woman who is second generation poly mm-hmm. um, and was raised oh. in, in that house. And I'm curious to interview her. Um, at some point here. Um, one thing I, that did come to mind as you were talking is that there is an issue and I'm, I'm finding this issue with actually a lot of different areas of sexuality. It seems that being able to talk openly and around sexuality and play with your relationship style seems to be something of the privileged, wealthier classes, Mm. a lot of, um, affluent white people. That's, that's, most of yeah. what not necessarily what's actually happening but who is visible mm-hmm. uh, and that's frustrating mm-hmm. um, for several reasons but it, it seems like oh yeah you just need to be wealthy that's mm-hmm. how you do all this awesome stuff and mm-hmm. it just seems like not feasible I feel like this should be an opportunity for anyone who wants to explore this you know <sighs> Yeah, perfect world. And yeah, well, it is abundance. At the end of the day, um, actually maintaining multiple relationships is is abundance. Mm -hmm. And there was the conversation of the difference between excess versus abundance Mm -hmm. that I was actually reading on one of my lovers' uh, Facebook pages the other day. And and what was kind of coming to was uh, abundance is you know having um, resources that you can and will use, you know, consistently or a stockpile of them that can't Mm -hmm. go bad. Mm -hmm. Excess is when you have more than what you're going to be able to use and it's going to go bad because you can't use it. That's Mm -hmm. what excess is. That's the difference. But in terms of our world, our country, we have an abundance here of of things. So, yeah, it is... is, (laughs) Also, when you're dealing with emotions, uh, it takes a certain level of sophistication. It takes a certain level of adult superpowers. And I'm not saying that's white and upper class, but it is about taking time to educate yourself Mm -hmm. 
and be aware that there are other choices. And oftentimes, so many people are not exposed to other choices because they just have to make it through the day. They just have to feed themselves. They have to take care of their kids. And when it's just about survival, Mm. no, you don't have time to be dealing with your second lover's (laughs) issue about whether or not you're going to take her out or (laughs) what you did for your other lover and didn't do for her. You know. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's now 425. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm supposed to be getting out of here because I have an, a, a date with my primary partner tonight. You do. And she, she is really, she's, she's the love of my life. And uh, I'm so grateful uh, for the life that we've been creating together. Wow. Fuck yeah. Right on. <laughs> I whispered it. Sorry, I felt it deep in my heart. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much, KJ, for stopping by and yeah. talking with me. And let me take that chance to say uh, any questions or if anybody ever wants to check in with me, you can reach me at on Twitter at YesKJ at Twitter. Awesome. Thank you. No, thank you. Aww. Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Go team five. I'm getting old. <laughs> getting wise. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Oh. Uh, <laughs> pull out my walker. <laughs> Bye. Now leaving Nerdist.com.